Hello world! Welcome back to another episode of Three Candid Questions. I'm super excited to bring you a conversation with Ollie Anderson, who speaks about realness, or how I like to call it authenticity. We can also call it becoming whole, becoming who you truly are, whatever label you want to put on it. But that's sort of the core of this conversation. And we also discuss how creativity and compassion play into the whole thing of being real. Um, this is an episode you might want to listen to rather than watch because Ollie's video kept freezing while we were talking. But of course you can also look at his crazy like frozen images and how I look and still listen attentively. However you would like to enjoy this episode, have fun and let us know your thoughts. Speak soon. Starting. Yeah. Now we are live. Hello. Hi, Audi. <laughs> nice, nice to, to meet you again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm delighted that we can have this conversation. So um, as usual, I'm super curious where it will take us today. But um, before we jump in, I would love for you mm -hmm. to just say a few words about who Oli is, what Oli does at the moment so that the audience okay. can just get to know you a bit more. So hello audience, my name is Oli Anderson. I'm a life coach and business coach. My main area of interest is reality, which sounds like a very broad topic, but ultimately what I'm interested in is how we can tune into what's real about us and how we can clear away some of the distortions or obstacles that we put in our own way when it comes to understanding the world and the way we can live our lives. Basically, it's about deprogramming ourselves, deconditioning ourselves, so that we can better align ourselves with our true intentions and our true values. Um, that is why there's an overlap, I think, between the business stuff and the life stuff. If people can decondition themselves in their lives, then they're more likely, I think, and I've seen, to uh, get better results from their business. That's again where the whole reality thing comes into it because you can only really get results in reality as, as philosophical as that might sound. So if you can go through this process of just getting out of your own way, figuring out what you're all about, what you really want, how you can connect with other people, how you can understand how life works, blah, 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 blah. Um, then in general, you'll get better results from life and your business. So that's my main thing that I do. The way that I kind of do that is through coaching. Uh, mainly I like doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. I've done group coaching in the past and I'm actually in the process of bringing back some group coaching stuff. Um, I made a course recently called the personality transplant. It's got a really long name. It's called the seven day personality transplant system shock for realness and life purpose. I just wanted to give it a long name to try and, I don't know, be clever or something. But mm -hmm. anyway, that course is like a free thing you can do. Uh, it's a seven day course. I uh, won't go into all the details, but basically it's, it's about realness, which is the authenticity stuff and then the life purpose thing. Um, and then in my coaching, I do life coaching, like I keep saying, but I also do business coaching. Uh, business coaching, my project is called Truth Bomb. You can go to the website if you want, truthbomb.co.uk. Basically, that's a combination of design thinking and philosophy applied to the business stuff. Um, I won't run about it too much, but ultimately it's, it's a four-step methodology Substance, style, communication, and community. If I'm saying too much, tell me to shut up. I know I'm, I'm, this is a very long introduction. 
Um, and along with my coaching, the other stuff that I do is I write books. My main book is called Personal Revolutions, A Short Course in Realness. Um, that is ultimately about looking at different ways of re example, you can look at it in terms of being active versus being passive. If you look at it in terms of being active, that's more real because you've got to be more aligned with the way that things work, the way that you get results. So that book is just 166 of these different revolutions. That's why I call them, where it's just these different distinctions. So you can like use them as a lens to look at life. Um, that book ultimately is about the ego versus reality. So the, the short version of this big ass book, am I allowed to use bad language on this podcast, by the way, because sometimes <laughs> just be yourself, just speak the way okay, you would normally speak. It's a pretty big ass book, but ultimately it's just about real versus unreal, real being you're aligned with reality. Unreal means you've created an idea of yourself that's holding you back from life. And you're living according to this false image, which just causes friction between you and reality. And that friction can turn to frustration, which can turn to anxiety and depression and blah, 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 blah. And then the mm -hmm. other book I wrote, which went to all this stuff. Let is, me stop, uh, stop you there. Let me stop you, Oli, yep. because you have just said something really interesting. Um, okay. So one thing that I hear you say is that you are a lot about reality and how mm -hmm. how we are aligned and you just talked about this friction between when we create a false version of ourselves and um mm. you know the reality of who we really are so how did you come about all those topics like why are you so passionate about what happened in your life that you're all about this okay so it's, it's quite a long and dramatic story i'll give the abridged version Mm -hmm. So, okay, where to begin? So the, the, basically what happened was I, you know, I was like an edgy existential teenager in my misspent youth. I went traveling uh, after I finished university. I went to Japan. When I was there, I had an amazing time. I ended up doing some modeling and like movie extra work. And I was, originally I went to teach English, but I kind of slipped into doing that. Um, Basically, I, I, I thought I was on top of the world, but I always had this kind of undercurrent of existential dread. I don't know why. I think I was just, mm -hmm. you know, some lingering childhood trauma or whatever it was. Um, and a few years after being into my Tokyo experience, I got really sick. I got diagnosed with uh, chronic kidney disease. So ultimately, I had to leave this life that I had in Japan and come back to the UK, which I was trying to avoid at the time. And um, basically, I ended up on dialysis. I needed a kidney transplant. I was super depressed, obviously. And it just made me realize that, obviously, you can't, um, you can't foresee everything that's going to happen in life. So all these ideals, all these visions, all these things that I thought I was going to be doing, well, actually, I ended up not doing them because I crashed back down to reality and I had to rebuild my life. But in terms of this unreal versus real version of ourselves, what I realized was when I first came back to the UK with this kidney disease um, and I tried to rebuild my life, I was approaching life as though I was still this version of myself that I was when I was in, in Japan, in Tokyo. So in my head, I was still kind of a, you know, like a, self-important i suppose in retrospect but you know i thought okay 
I used to be a model and I'm traveling the world and I'm doing this. And I used to see myself as, you know, like a, the way I used to describe it in my head. Have you ever listened to Leonard Cohen? Do you know Leonard Cohen? He, he has a song, yeah. Susanna, I think, and he's talking about how he used to be like a gypsy poet boy. I used to think I was like that, some kind of artsy, fartsy, kind of poetic guy traveling the world. And then, boom, I crashed back down to reality. Mm -hmm. And um, I was trying to rebuild my life. But the way that I was trying to rebuild it was I had this image of myself that I was putting out into the world. And, of course, because my reality had changed around me, because my situation had changed and I'd changed, my, is the software, basically, that I was using was out of date. And so I had to go through this process of upgrading the software so that I could take what was still real about me, which was the experiential part of you know my experience of being myself and all these kind of things. But all these different labels and concepts and ideas that I'd attached to, basically I had to kind of um, take them out of the picture and then replace them with something new. And the only way I could do that mm -hmm. was by looking at where I was. So obviously I'd, I'd hit rock bottom. At first I was avoiding the fact that I'd hit, hit rock bottom, I was kind of in denial, but it was mm -hmm. only when I realized rock bottom is a kind of solid ground that you can build upon that I was able to finally accept what I was going through, let go of the old version of me, which in a way, as narcissistic as it sounds, it was kind of a, a grieving process. I was grieving the loss of the old mm -hmm. version of myself. Once yeah. I could do that, well, it was like, you know, the, the seven stages of grief or however many stages it is. The final stage was acceptance. And once I'd got this acceptance, that's when I could say, okay, well, I've lost all that stuff, but who am I now? Like, what do I want now? What mm. what vision can I create for myself that's still real, blah, blah, blah. And so that's when I started to realize there was a gap between how the way we can see ourselves or the way we do see ourselves and the way that we are will affect how frustrated we end up being in life. And so for me now, mm. like everything comes down to that issue of identity or the identity problems that we can create for ourselves by yes. either facing our emotions or not. Because basically the reason I wasn't accepting my situation and was trying to keep that old image of myself in place, that old self-image, was because I was trying to hide from all the emotional stuff I was going through mm. during that period. It was a way of creating order in my life in a chaotic situation. And because the past was familiar, I, I was clinging onto it. But actually, that mm. was just holding me back. And so when I faced the chaos of myself and allowed all that emotional stuff to be brought up, all the shadow stuff, mm. well, that's when I actually get to a new place to put a new order in my life. I don't know if that makes and sense. How, but. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And um, I have a, a, the next question already. Like, How did you manage to drill down to the real you? Because I think, you know, yeah. what you say about the conditioning and everything that we believe is real about us and our reality, um, mm. and that's all made up in our head anyway, you know, it's it's not easy to peel away all those layers and get really real with ourselves and then with others. Like, these are the emotions. This is who I really am when yeah, everything yeah. is stripped off. So how did you get there? So... The way I look at it is, in life, there are basically two ways that you can get there. Mm -hmm. Maybe three. 
Well, oh, there's definitely two. So the first way is the way that it happened to me. Like sometimes in life, things just sneak up on you and it kind of shakes you awake. And mm-hmm. normally it's because something bad happens. So, you know, maybe someone you really love dies. Maybe you get an illness. Maybe, I don't know, your business goes bust or whatever it is. These things will cause you to get out of your head and to see reality. I call this place the edge because it's where all your ideas are confronted with the actual truth about life. Life is, Mm -hmm. well, life in reality and truth is always moving. But these ideas that we have about it are often static. And it's that Mm -hmm. gap between the interpretations and the actual truth where we can start to grow. And so if something happens like this, in in my case, the illness, it's basically something that, you know, I call it a personal revolution in the book that I'm talking about, because it basically causes you to go through your own kind of personal revolution at the level of Mm. yourself. So that's the the first way, is that you just have life sweep the rug from underneath your feet, you fall down, you hit rock bottom, and on rock bottom, you will find solid, you'll find reality. That's just the way it goes because it will take you out of these ideas that you've got about yourself, the world and reality. It'll show you what's true and it'll show you what's not. But no matter how bad it gets, you'll still have yourself, as as crazy as that might sound. You, you will have those ideas about yourself, but you'll have what is real about you. There's something mm-hmm. about you throughout the course of your life that will never change you know in i do i do yoga you do yoga as well in yoga they'll say that's that's the breath right that breath that that version of you in the space that's observing all these things that happen to you that is what it puts you in touch with when you you hit rock bottom and when you hit that that's what's of all these different things that are happening um my video cut off then, sorry. Mm. Um, so anyway, amidst all the chaos, you find yourself. I know that sounds a bit pretentious, but that's how it is. So that's one way in answer to your question. The other way, maybe something bad doesn't happen to you, but you can put yourself on some kind of a path towards some kind of a spiritual experience or an awakening. It's the same kind of thing. It's the same path. The end result is the same. It's just a different way into getting there. Um, so, you know, basically, if you follow most religions, they're all saying the same thing, I believe, which is that you get out of the world, you get out of your head, all the conceptual ideas, all the interpretations that we have about life. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. step beyond that, you step beyond judgment, you step beyond duality, all these different uh, interpretational devices that we have in our brain. And you start moving again, you start flowing with life because you see that real version of you that exists in the space between all those concepts and ideas and ETC that make up our self-image and make up the world. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, those two ways are how you can find reality. And in both of those cases, it just, um, it basically just stops the impact of your ideas about yourself from stopping you from moving. For me, that's the main um, the main distinction between real and unreal. Real 
is just about flow. It's about movement. Um, it's about moving towards wholeness. And I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but for me, reality is just about a connection to the whole. So you can mm -hmm. be connected to the self, the whole of yourself to the greatest extent possible. So that means you're facing all your shadow stuff. You're facing your true intentions. You're facing your true values. You're not letting your ideas about who you think you should be holding you back from who you actually are. So ultimately, mm -hmm. you're not disowning anything. That is wholeness. Wholeness in the sense of the world is about your connection to other people. If you have these false ideas, these false interpretations of life, it stops you from connecting to others because you'll be too busy judging yourself or judging them to actually have a meaningful connection. And then at the level mm -hmm. of reality, these are the three levels, self, world, and reality. At the level of reality, it stops you from actually moving and flowing and growing in the way that you need to. And so mm -hmm. for me, I say unreal or real. You can also say whole, uh, fragmentation is unreal or wholeness. Fragmentation is just any of this stuff that just makes you realize or makes you believe erroneously that you're disconnected from everything. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if I've answered, but yeah. Yeah, you have <laughs> answered my question. And again, I was thinking, as you said, um, <clears throat> you know, because someone might listen to this and ask themselves, like, but why should I go mm. through all that? <laughs> drama you know but you sort of answered it already because you say to some extent it you know the more whole we are and the more real we are yeah. um the the better our growth and also the the more meaningful our connections with other human beings get yeah 100 so if you think about it the only thing you can grow is more real If you're, if you're growing as a person, you're becoming more real and you're becoming more whole. That's mm -hmm. ultimately what it's all about. The things mm -hmm. that stop you from growing are the things that cause you to be less whole in yourself and to be disconnected from yourself and the people in the world around you. And so mm -hmm. the way that I like to think about it is we all have a natural drive towards wholeness moving towards wholeness is the natural state of human beings yeah that's how our lives are designed to unfold we you know i don't want to run too much but ultimately this natural process towards wholeness is always kind of just going on beneath the surface of our conscious minds the little box that we live in and it's our attachment to that box that stops that natural drive towards wholeness unfolding in the way that it needs to. Actually, mm. you could say that we're, we're whole already. We're already connected to, to ourselves. We're already connected to the world. We're already connected to you know, all the natural systems and the universe and all these different things. But we create interpretations of life that stop us from understanding that and that block us from moving in that direction. And so a lot of us, mm. if we have unresolved emotional stuff, we feel like we need healing. Well, the reason we feel like that is because we're blocking that return to, to wholeness. Healing, if you want to use that word, like to be honest, I, mm -hmm. I try to avoid that word in my own life. Healing, it just means that you're becoming whole again. You're either whole mm. or you're not. That, it, I know it sounds too simple maybe, 
but it is that simple. <laughs> you're either allowing yourself to move towards wholeness or you're not. And the reason it's difficult for people is because a lot of the time, if we've been conditioned in our earlier years to put ourselves in this box, AKA the ego, then the consequence of that is living in the box keeps a lot of our emotional stuff hidden beneath the surface. So mm -hmm. for me, it's usually it boils down to shame, guilt, and trauma. We have all these different things in our lives that we deem to be unacceptable. And that's just the, yeah. the shadow stuff. The shadow stuff, it can be positive qualities or negative qualities. Either way, as we go through life, we get taught and then we hypnotize ourselves to believe that certain things about us are unacceptable. And so we create mm -hmm. a version of ourselves, the ego, that is a representation we like to give ourselves of life and ourselves without those qualities existing. But because we're always whole and because those things never go anywhere, well, they're just constantly trying to get our attention from beneath the surface. Mm. And that's why we kind of have a, a battle going on within ourselves. Basically, the battle is between the fragmented version of ourselves, which we think is going to help us to survive, which actually it does help us to survive in the short term. But as I said, mm. um, you know, when I was giving an example of my story, it helps us to survive, but only because it's, showing us an outdated version of ourselves. And so actually, by clinging to it, we're just causing more problems. It, it, it helps us, but only with a limited lifespan, if that makes sense. Mm. And so mm. by not accepting that, we're keeping all this stuff at bay and we're basically blocking moving towards wholeness. I know that's, I've been a bit repetitive, sorry. Yeah, no, but the whole, the whole idea about wholeness fits perfectly into the, you know, it's, I mean, some, some people talk about in spirituality, about us being born again, and then, you know, going through all the lessons of life. So I, I feel yeah. it's very connected. However you want to describe it, there's definitely something humans strive to achieve, like a sort of complete, completed version or something of ourselves. So the whole version you say i'm just curious curious about one thing in terms of like you know accepting our true emotions and everything that represents our wholeness how what role does creativity play for you there because i hear you talking about you know design and your truth bomb project and being a life coach which is also quite a creative um thing to do and writing books yeah. and then being a model. So all creative tasks. So where does creativity come in for you when it comes to realness? Okay. So ultimately <laughs> for me, I had to take a breath. So I don't like just mm -hmm. pull my guts out. The short version, the simple version is creativity is it's a two-way process and it's mm -hmm. a two-way process because it's about your relationship with reality surprise surprise i'm using that word again so reality is just i should probably say i don't think reality is uh, a relative thing i think the truth is the truth but the thing 
that we all see differently is our interpretations of that truth. And mm -hmm. the truth in the language I've been using is just wholeness. And I don't I should probably say as well, wholeness in our lives as human beings doesn't mean that we ever reach a complete state of being. I think we're always moving towards more wholeness, but you know, it's, it's that thing that we're always a work in progress. And the reason mm -hmm. that we're a work in progress is because in this human form that we have, we will never ever be fully connected to the whole for two reasons. One, we have limited perception because we're in these physical bodies. So, you know, we, I can't see what's behind me now unless I look on the camera. I can't lift my elbow, whatever it is. Our bodies are limited and the way that they perceive and experience the world is, is fragmented, but also it means that we can never fully be whole because we're just not fully connected to everything. But mm -hmm. also on top of that, complicated matters, we perceive things in a fragmented way, but then we interpret what we see in a fragmented way based on our own emotional stuff and the interpretations that we need in order to keep believing whatever we need to believe to stay the same, basically. Because most of us don't want to grow every day and move towards wholeness every day. We want to have a, a relative de degree, which is normal and healthy, of stability when it comes to the way we see ourselves. So for mm -hmm. that reason, we can't be completely whole. We can have moments where we taste wholeness. Um, Abraham Maslow, he called them peak experiences. That's, mm -hmm. for me, it's when the subject, which is obviously us having these experiences of life, and the object of our experience basically become connected to each other. So an example I always give when I'm talking about these peak experiences is when I was in Japan, I climbed Mount Fuji, um, you go up in the night and then in the next morning you can come down the mountain. I came down that mountain and I, I literally ran down Mount Fuji and because there's all this volcanic ash, you can take these massive leaps and uh, I just felt really alive. So for me, that's an example of a peak experience where mm -hmm. I got out of my head, I wasn't thinking about Ollie Anderson, I was totally connected to my surroundings, I was fully alive, blah, blah, blah. That showed me what wholeness is. You, can have, you have loads of moments like that in your life. You have, uh, I know you might be making love to someone. You might be riding a motorbike, not at the same time necessarily. Um, you might go scuba diving and you feel connected to the whole ocean. All these different experiences mm -hmm. you have, they show you that you and life are the same thing. But then the problem is, you, you know, you go back to your normal life and you're sending emails and working on spreadsheets and whatever it is that people do. The world creeps in again, and you, you start to become more fragmented. But as long as you know that when you have those peak experiences, that is the real version of you, then you can return to that place, or you can start moving in that direction again. And so that's basically the point I'm making here in this, this long, uh, long and winding road that I've taken us down. The point is that if you understand your true identity, is beyond any ideas or any concepts and it's in those moments and that that is wholeness then all the, the other times where you get caught up in these limited perceptions and limited interpretations you can catch yourself and you can say oh okay i'm caught up in the world again now i'm caught up in my ideas of ollie anderson or mm. vincent Brina or whatever it is mm. and maybe that's holding me back 
Um, I can't remember what the original question was, though, that I'm supposed to be answering right now, so I apologize. We're talking about creativity and how that creativity. plays a role. In... Yeah. So, okay. So this is relevant, I promise. So if it's all about wholeness or fragmentation... Prove, it. Prove, um, prove that it's that it's relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but if um, creativity is about that as well, then mm -hmm. there's a link... I think between the way we live a real life and the way that um, creativity works. And so the reason I went down that, uh, that digression about, mm -hmm. you know, these peak experiences and all that kind of stuff, creativity is the way of seeing what's going on inside you and moving towards uh, more wholeness in yourself. That's the mm. short version. But the reason I yeah. said it's a two-way street it's a two-way street because if you only go into the creative process with your ideas about yourself or your ideas about your creative work and you're trying to prove something instead of learning, then your attitude is not real and it is not going to get you the best results from your creative work. And the reason is all creativity is about learning from reality. So I call this process creative synthesis. Mm. All it means is, say you want to write a book or you want to write a song or, you know, whatever creative thing it is that you want to do. When you first set out on that path, you will probably have an idea about what the end result is going to look like. That idea really is just informed by all kinds of different things you've got going on in your relationship with yourself. And so potentially, for example... Maybe my intention in writing an, in a, a novel or a book or something is to let the world know how brilliant I am. Maybe the intention is to tell the world whatever agenda I have figured out about life and ETC. Okay, mm -hmm. to some extent, you have to do that because you need a starting point. But if you're too attached to the outcome that you want from the creative work, then as you start writing or you start painting or you start composing the song whatever it is then that attachment to the idea to the interpretation to the result that you're trying to get is going to block you having an experience where you let in new information you let in new insight you let reality i.e whatever unfolds within the creative process you let reality show you something new and bring something new to the equation that you can use and that is going to allow you to become transformed i.e. to become more real, more whole, as you go through that process of doing the work. Mm -hmm. And the reason that creativity mm -hmm. makes you more whole is because, one, you have to ride through uncertainty. So as you get into the creative process and it starts to deviate from your expectations or your ideals about what you want the work to look like or to embody, if you're not being real about it, then it's going to trigger all your underlying stuff that you've been trying to hide from yourself so the shame the trauma whatever it is that if, if you have a lot of that stuff you can't handle uncertainty and if you're not prepared to face it well you'll try and view everything through the lens of this ego this box that we were talking about in order to keep it at bay but the only way you can ride through the uncertainty and therefore finish the creative work is to face that stuff and to use the work as a vessel for riding out to the other side of whatever lessons 
you need to learn from that stuff at the time. And because the final result, yeah, you get what I'm saying? So the final result of all this work, of all these things that we do, is always wholeness. It has to be. So all that's going on, it's like life. Basically, life and creativity are the same thing. So if you under, mm -hmm. if you can live in this creative way that I'm talking about, or if you can work in this creative way, then you can apply that to your life as well, and you'll be more human. And the reason is because this attitude is just about working with principles that allow you to work in alignment with reality, not against it. So, for example, the simplest uh, example I can give now, uncertainty. If you're being unreal, you will try to just impose certainty on everything that you do. If, if that's a creative project, it'll affect the results you get. If it's your mm -hmm. life, you'll listen to uh, control freakery and it'll affect the results that you get from life. It's the same thing. And it's because you're not moving with reality towards wholeness. You've taken the little fragments that you've already got and you've become attached to and you're given mm -hmm. that precedent. And so creativity in that sense is um, is a process of just bringing what needs to be brought to the surface and learning what needs to be learned. Um, life and creativity are both transformational. And if you can understand the way that transformation works for the average human being, because there's certain principles that apply to all of us having this human experience, then you'll get better results from life and business and, and creativity. Ultimately, the way that I look at it is it's, it's about spirals. It's about removing these layers of fragmentation. So in life and creativity, again, it's the same thing. So in life, for example, you're plodding along, you think you're a certain version of yourself, boom, something happens. Maybe your girlfriend or your boyfriend break up with you. That's a transformation. Maybe you get an illness. That's a transformation. Maybe you know, blah, 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 whatever it is, all these different things happen in life and they transform. If you learn what you need to learn and go through the process, they transform the way that you see yourself. So in the example of you know, a girlfriend or boyfriend breaking up with you, before that event takes place, you think you're a certain version of yourself. You have certain expectations of where you're going to be in five, 10 years, ETC. All those expectations and ideas, they become part of your identity. And so when that person leaves you or you leave them, well, you have to go through the process of, of letting go of the fragmentation, the ideas and the illusions, and just see what real stuff is left afterwards. It's the same with creative work. The creative work is actually a way of just giving yourself some kind of a transform, uh, transformational experience mm. if you're prepared to learn from it. So say you're going to write a book. Okay. I, it's a spiral in the example, like I, the example, uh, similar to the example I just gave. You go into it, you think you're a certain version of yourself, you think you're writing a book about self help or whatever. Before you know it, or oh, you're actually writing a book about spirituality or trauma or whatever you've got going mm -hmm. on inside yourself. And only by going through that process, do you see what's real about you and what's not, or you go more deeply into understanding the real version of yourself because you increase mm -hmm. your awareness. And when you get the awareness, you can accept yourself more, you can accept life more, and then you can do something that is going to be, you know, more aligned with the truth, I suppose, than just your ideas about life um, rather than anything else.
Mm. And what would you say to people who listen to all this talk of ours about realness and creativity and say, like, I'm absolutely not a creative person? Yeah, I would say that that's not true. I think, and I've seen that everybody is creative. And I can mm -hmm. say it with confidence because if you think, if you think about what creativity is, creativity is not this mythical thing that you know we put on a pedestal sometimes, where we think, you know, we, we can just I don't know, we can click our fingers and if we're a creative person we can manifest a unicorn or we can mm -hmm. i don't know make a hamster start tap dancing or just whatever it oh, is that would be cool creativity it would be cool yeah i, I wonder if i can learn to do that I'll, uh, there might be a course yeah, a unicorn especially but, <laughs> <laughs> but um with the the creativity is it's not about mm -hmm. this limitless way of being it's about working with limitations and if limitations are part of life and you need limitations to be creative then all human beings are creative if you think you're not creative then probably you're avoiding something because like i said mm. the creativity brings shadow stuff it means you have to face whatever limitations you you currently been faced with uh, either in life or in a creative project And um, once you have those limitations or you have some kind of parameters that you need to work within, well, the pressure that, put, that that puts on your brain to figure out um, a solution basically is gonna make you tap into your creative resources. That's the mm -hmm. most simple definition of creativity, I think. It just means you have a problem and it can be any kind of problem And your brain is going to start trying to figure out solutions to solve the problem. And again, the reason that it comes back to reality and being real is because um, you can only solve a problem in reality. If you if you can't find a solution, well, it, it means you're not dealing with an actual problem. It means you're either avoiding the solution, sorry, or you're refusing to accept something about life. But mm -hmm. either way, the only thing that is going to offer you a solution is reality. And so the thing that's stopping you from moving towards finding that solution, i.e. using your creative resources, is your ability to either get out of this box or to expand the boundaries of this box and let in some new insight and some new truth. And so all I'm saying really is that everybody is creative. If you think you're not creative, then you're probably hiding something from yourself or um, you're hiding something from reality, if that makes sense. Mm. Does that yeah, that makes absolute <laughs> sense. And it also, again, shows us that, you know, the idea that we often carry around with us about creativity, it doesn't mean you have to be drawing or writing or doing all that. It's really all about practicality sometimes, just working out a solution. And that's pretty yeah, simple. That's, that's how everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very human. Like, I think human beings evolved to be creative because of mm. the limitations of being a, you know, a fragmented body on a fragmented planet. Like creativity, ultimately, you know, it's the difference between eating and not eating at the at the end of the day, at the most practical level. 
Um, mm. You know, you say you're a caveman, you're starving. Well, you need to go out and find some food. How are you going to find a creative mm. solution? They don't, creativity doesn't have to be like a... I think it's overly romanticized sometimes. It's an amazing <laughs> thing. But there are so many amazing things about life. We put them on a pedestal, but actually they're just basic. So love is another mm. one. I know I, I sound like a hippie saying that. But like everyone's, you know, love is just a basic thing. Do you know what I mean? Compassion is a basic thing. Creativity yeah. is a basic thing. And like when we've been unreal and we've been conditioned by the world and by other people that are unreal and bring us up, we think that life is something other than what it is. And we think we're something other than what we are. And then everyone gets confused. And then, you know, they become detached from their, their basic humanity. And the human uh, faculties and power that they have. Mm. So I'm just mm. thinking once I start connecting, like, you know, as someone who's listening to this and says, okay, now I will start connecting with my creative self. I will start facing my emotions. And we say it in the beginning of the conversation that the thing that really also get out of it is like this real connections with people then. So now that you say love and compassion is also just something that's very basic that plays into the realness or the wholeness, however we want to call it. So yeah. if someone again wants to work that out, is there some experience you can share where you say it like, that's when I realized it's just like a basic thing. It's just, you know, a part of being whole, how I love or how I'm compassionate. Like what came up for you there? I'm very curious now. Uh, what, what do you mean exactly? Sorry. So like, how do I? Yeah. Like, how do you see, do you have a very clear vision of, or opinion on how, what you think about creativity? So yeah. when you say love and compassion are just as basic in life, what are they for you? Oh, oh what are, so how do I define those things? Yeah. And how did you come to say like, okay, that's a part of being whole, but how, like if we have this mm -hmm. romanticized version of compassion or love or creativity, like what in uh, your yeah. opinion is the, you know, is the real deal? Yeah. So, I, okay. So at the simple level, mm -hmm. if you think about it, compassion, for example, is just about, you know, it's the namaste thing, right? So what's whole in me is whole in you. And so if mm -hmm. you can understand that everything is, you know, we're all connected, we're all experiencing the same thing, the same truth. We all go through the same rites of passage. We all have the same struggles in life. We all have the same, you know, the human experience is the human experience for all of us. It's the hero's journey thing. The scenery might be slightly different. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm in the UK where you are all these different things this superficial surface level of life might be different but the core stuff the real stuff beneath the surface of all the superficial labels and all those kind of things it's the same for all of us and so once you understand what's real about you well you have to understand what's real about other people as well mm. and so for me as an example once I realized that, okay, you know, I, I can get out of my head and I can keep growing and I can keep moving forward and I have visions and, 
you know, I'm, I'm not perfect and I don't need to be perfect and I've got insecurities and blah, blah, but I'm still real. When mm -hmm. you understand your realness, that you're just a flawed human being doing your best and making the most of life and your challenges and all this kind of stuff, it makes it easier to understand other people. And so because I'm, I'm I sound a bit arrogant there. I was going to say, because I'm so real, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Because I've been through this process and I've managed mm -hmm. to look at the box I was keeping myself in and I've taken myself out of that box, i.e. I've gone from being a fragmented version of myself to a version of myself that's more whole, not complete, not perfect. It's more whole than I used to be. Well, now I can approach other people from that place of being whole. And what will happen mm. is either they will okay from a place of wholeness themselves, or if they, they're still in the box because they have whatever emotional stuff they've got going on, maybe they won't reciprocate and they're not ready to be spontaneous and free and, you know, they need mm. to control every aspect, all those different things. Either way, I will be able to be compassionate because I'll either be able to have a real connection and say, oh, okay, I'm trying to be real with myself. You're being real with yourself. Boom, let's let's have some new sparks of insight and blah, blah, blah. Or mm -hmm. maybe I'll be thinking I'm being real and, you know, and then I meet somebody who is a bit of a control freak or they're locked inside themselves or whatever it is. It won't bother me personally because I will be able to understand, okay, this person probably, you know, they've got some emotional stuff going on. They don't need to, uh, you know, they're, they're in the box that they put themselves in for a reason. That's the place they need to be. And so it doesn't have to bother me. And I don't mean it doesn't mm -hmm. bother me as in I don't care. I just mean mm -hmm. I don't have to think it personally. And so by being yeah. whole myself or trying to be whole in myself, it makes it a lot easier to understand where other people are coming from and whether they've been real towards me or unreal. Well, it doesn't matter because they're just a human being. They're having their experience that we're all having. They're where they are. They're growing. They're moving towards wholeness at their own pace. And it just allows me to understand that the context of everybody's life is, ex is as exactly as it needs to be based on what they've been through. And I, it, it makes it easier for me to just live without expectations of people, without unreal expectations of myself, and to just know that as long as you come from a real place, you can let people be what they need to be. You can both mm. be what you need to be. You don't have to come from an ego place where you're trying to control everybody and get them to fit into the way that your ego needs them to be so that you can stay the same and not grow. And it just, moving towards wholeness in my life or trying to, I don't want to sound like I'm, I, you know, I'm fully evolved or anything like that. I just mean putting myself. No, on this you are path. in the process, like everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yeah. Course. So, like by involving myself in this process and looking at my own stuff, that's in my shadows <laughs> stuff, and etc. It just makes it easier to deal with life, and it brings us full circle, kind of, because all it, all it's doing, is. It's those three levels I talked about really early on, self, the world, and reality. So by going through this process and starting to look at my own stuff, 
that has allowed me to accept myself. So I now believe that ultimately I accept myself basically unconditionally. Like it's very rare now that I will judge myself or criticize myself. Even if mm -hmm. I make a mistake, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I won't beat myself up. I'll pick myself up. I'll say, okay, shit, I screwed up. Mm -hmm. What have I learned from it? What, what am I going to do next? Maybe mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I made a mistake. It would have been playing around on the hamster wheel in my mind for weeks or months because I was trying to define myself in a certain way because of the fragmentation and the box that I was putting myself in. And the mistake would go against the definition of myself that I wanted to live mm. according to. Now that I've got rid of all that, you know, I make mistakes every day and I don't care. And it's, it's fine. It's good because I feel like I'm learning, growing, etc. And so the point I'm going to make is that by going through this process or putting myself on the path towards going through this process, I don't judge myself and I accept myself unconditionally. At the mm. second level, in these three levels about self, world, and reality, the second level of other people and the world, I don't judge the world. Maybe I observe things, like I observe that you know people are quirky sometimes, or if somebody is consistently, um, I don't know, dysfunctional towards me or whatever, then I'll I'll just leave the relationship. But even if I just leave a relationship, I've got a little mantra that I always use: give me something real or GTFO, and all that means is if somebody is constantly giving me an unreal uh, interaction or exchange or vice versa, then basically I just go, and it, that's it. See you later. There's mm -hmm. no point keeping a dysfunctional relationship going, but mm -hmm. I'm not judging that person. I'm not, you know, I have no ill will to them or anything like that. I just understand that we're growing in different ways, and right now you're there. I'm here and now I'm going to go over there. And basically, I can only do that because I'm not, because I accept myself. If I didn't accept myself, then I think if somebody, you know, if somebody didn't like me or something, then maybe I would become a people pleaser. I try too hard and beg and beseech that they like me. But actually, because I've worked on my shame, while well, I have some self respect, I would never, you know, do that. If they don't like me, that's cool. No problem. I understand why you mm. might not. But I also, you know, I'm not going to get angry with them. How dare you not like me? Who do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. It's because when you accept yourself, the opposite of acceptance is judgment. And so mm. when you accept yourself, judgment. so you don't need to judge yourself. You don't need to judge other people. You can step away from the judgments that may come at you from the world and they don't have to bother you anymore. And you can be compassionate to the people that are judging you because you understand that if they're judging you, well, that's only because they've judged themselves first and mm. they don't accept themselves. And so, well, who cares? It says more about them than you. You can be compassionate. Okay. But move on. Yeah. You don't need to worry about it. And it, yeah. Mm. And then at the third level of reality, it's just the same thing. You realize that in reality, there is no judgment. You can step beyond it. Reality is about wholeness, as I keep saying. Judgment is about trying to put some fragmented label on somebody or something, usually at the level of good or bad, but it always comes down to the interpretations that people carry of life. It's never, you know, the truth itself, because like we said, the truth is beyond interpretation, or that's what I think anyway. And uh, mm. people attach 
people attach to certain interpretations because of the identity that they need to maintain because of their unresolved emotional stuff. And so most interpretations and the judgments that stem from them, it just goes back to the person themselves and uh, how they see themselves, what they're willing to face, whether they're wanting to face their uh, shadow stuff or whatever it is. And so ultimately, that's all we're talking about. The life mm. without judgment. And yeah, um, I know it could sound a bit super free because judgment is the only thing that can stop you being free. But I'm not being nihilistic. Like I think in a way, something I've thought a few times, you know, I've shared it on my social media and stuff, but ultimately you can say life is meaningless or life means everything. But the way that you get there, it's the same thing. And the way that I like to think of it is, you know, on one hand, you've got spirituality or whatever you want to call it. You know, these peak experiences, this mm. experience of hope, life. On one hand, you've got that spirituality. I'll call it here for the sake of brevity. Although I haven't been very brief. I get the irony of saying that. But anyway, and then on the other hand, you've got nihilism. So nihilism is just the, you know, the idea everything sucks. Nothing means anything. Life is awful. We die and then that's that's that. You know, it's, it's awful. But these things are both the same. The only difference between spirituality and nihilism is that with spirituality, everything is full. And with nihilism, everything is empty. That's the only mm. difference. In the world has either been full or been empty. And if you take this approach, well, the only thing that's going to fill you is that feeling of, of wholeness and connection. And that's basically what this is all about. And I know it's been a big long run and we've been talking forever, so apologies. But that's where this all ties in because creativity and realness allow you to stop judging yourself. You can use it as a kind of, you can use creative work as a testing ground to see where you've got blocks and where you are judging yourself and what you're scared of sharing with the world and ETC. And the only place you can get to, no matter who you are, is that you can get to a place where you're more whole than you were yesterday or the day before or 10 years ago or whatever it is. Have you heard that analogy of the blind men and the elephants? No, that doesn't ring a bell. Tell me. So it kind of sums it all up. So basically it's an analogy. I think it's from the Upanishads or something like that. But anyway, it's a super simple story. There's just a bunch of blind men standing around an elephant Obviously, they're blind, so you can't see. They're all holding a different part of the elephant. So, like, one guy, he's got oh, hold yeah. of the uh, – yeah, yeah, you heard it, right? So, yeah. one of them yeah. has hold of he, he the leg. He says this is a tree trunk. The other one's holding mm -hmm. this, the uh, the actual trunk of the elephant. This is a snake. ETC, they're all holding different parts of the elephant. And they're all, they all just start arguing about their interpretations. That's all that, – they, they argue about the interpretations – they start fighting, beating each other up, and it causes all this conflict and confusion. The point of that story is that they're all wrong because they're just arguing about their interpretations. They've got yes. different fragments that they've become attached to, but the truth is the same for all of them. And uh, that's what we're doing in life. Like when we get caught up in this box, in this ego place, we fragment things, we create interpretations of ourselves, the world, and reality because of how we want to see ourselves how we need to see ourselves. And then we just go out there like the blind men, basically just uh, denying life, arguing about our interpretations, not the truth, mm. because you can't argue about the truth. 
The truth is the truth. We only argue about interpretations, and uh, that's what causes the conflict. There's no conflict in the truth. It's in our interpretations of it. And that's, that's how we're living. It stops us uh, getting the best results from life and business and creativity because it causes us to judge. It causes us to judge other people. It stops us being compassionate towards others because we need people to be something other than what they are. We're not accepting them at a real level because we don't accept ourselves at a real level. And uh, then we die. That's the end of that. <laughs> and with that, we'll end this conversation and say, like, <laughs> people, you don't want to live this life. You don't want to die like this. So yeah, know, yeah. That's, go that's through exactly this it. process. Embrace the process of moving towards realness or wholeness, however we want to call it, so that you can get the best results out of life. Basically, yes. Well, well summarized. So uh, that, that was a, a, an amazing conversation, mainly because it was just me talking. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a good joking. listener. Yeah, you're a very good listener. So thank you for uh, listening to all that. I can't believe nearly an hour is done already. That's how it happens usually on yeah, this yeah, podcast. Right. But thank you so much for your time and for sharing all your thoughts and you know, for putting it all into this perspective of wholeness and realness. I think it has been very enlightening. So thanks. Yeah, well, thank you so much for uh, listening to me. And uh, <laughs> oh, yeah.